Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Well, God bless you to all the listeners on tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. So ecstatic to have you on the line tonight. We have a phenomenal show. Tonight's show is on relationships, dating, courting, godly relationships, and even marriages. Now, I would like to take the opportunity to introduce my co-host tonight, Bishop Gary Anthony House, who is the pastor of Mighty Warriors Ministry. He's our author, a motivational speaker. He's a bishop, among a lot of other things. He is also on the board of directors for Mansell Christian College and the financial aid advisor as well. So I would like to bring Bishop Anthony, Gary Anthony, to the platform. God bless you, man of God. How are you this evening? I'm fine. How are you doing, woman of God? I am blessed. Yeah. excited that you're on. I say thank you for tuning in tonight and joining me on tonight as my co-host. Amen. Glad to be here. Amen. So what I would like to do is just to start off with a word of prayer and a scripture, whatever God gives you. So that's what we'll do first. Amen. Well, let every heart pray. Father God, we just come before your presence right now, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, oh God. Lord, we come to you tonight looking under you for wisdom and clarity, oh God. Father, we pray that you release your word, oh God, and give us knowledge about relationships, oh God, about uh, all types of relationships, marriage, dating, Oh, God, Lord, speak to our hearts and our minds, Father. Lord, we pray that you bless everyone listening tonight, Lord. Increase and enlarge our territories, oh, God. Give us that power to go where we have never gone before. Father God, we thank you now. We're looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith, oh, God. Lord, we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're going to start off tonight, and we're going to talk about a biblical perspective to relationships. Okay, so when I looked up the word relationship, it means a connection, a relationship to another person. It could be a husband or wife, a daughter. It could be a godly relationship like people in the fivefold ministry. It could be a blood relative or it could be a marriage. Um, in a relationship, it's a give and take situation. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to start off by asking one of the listeners wants to know, what would be a perfect godly relationship, Bishop? Well, like you said, there are many different types of relationships. The Apostle Paul told Timothy to treat the younger women as sisters, the older women as mothers, the older men as fathers. Uh, it says, the Bible says that every man have his own wife. First Corinthians chapter 7 says if a father gives his daughter up for a bride, he has not done wrong. Uh, so relationships is, like you say, communication. And each relationship needs to be Christ-centered based upon the principles of the Word of God. Uh, so when it's Christ-centered, that means Christ is the head of that relationship. 
That means one is submitted to the ideals and principles of the Word of God. One does not put their flesh uh, in that perspective because, like I said, uh, past times that uh, there's parental programming. Children go up watching their parents, uh, looking at the world around them, and they're making assumptions about the world. And people come from different backgrounds and have different understandings about how things are supposed to go and what they're supposed to be. So uh, in, a, in a true relationship is that, like you said, a give and take. A selfish person wants everything their way, but there is no relationship where everything is going to be your way. Now, in a marriage relationship, the husband is said to be the head of the home. doesn't mean he's the boss nor the commander, but it means that he is the leader. He is the covering, and he has to love his wife like Christ loved the church. In a mother and, and son or mother and daughter relationship, there's times that children grow up and the parents have to let go and be there as advisors and let them make their own decisions and fall and get up uh, and try to protect them, but they can't dominate and control their life and expect their life to be everything that they want it to be like they want it to be because they have an individual responsibility before the Lord. And then it also it says that a child that honor their father and mother, their days shall be longer upon this earth which the Lord God giveth thee. So we have to give honor unto our parents, and we're to treat older people as our parents. If they're not our birth parents, we're to still to give them honor and respect. I hope this sheds a little light on uh, what it is to be in a relationship. And, and by the way, let me say one more thing. In a relationship, one has to be uh, committed to a relationship. I heard uh, Bishop Jake say on last Sunday that his wife was taking on a new friend, and he said, wait a minute. You don't want to take on a new friend because there's going to become responsibilities to that friendship. And if you're not going to do the responsibilities to that friendship, don't take that friendship on. So even in a friendship, there's responsibilities that friends have one to the other. Amen. Amen, Bishop. Um, I was researching today, and I think there's only one perfect relationship that I have observed in the Bible, and that's the God, God the Father. God the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. Um, a perfect relationship is not based on giving. Um, it's ba it's not solely based on giving. You can base it on giving, but don't respect anything in return. Because the word gives us, um, the word says in John 17, Jesus makes requests not based on what he has given the Father, but what the Father has given him. There is no expectation that Jesus will give back to the Father, that he will give back to the Father. But his requests are consistent with the nature of what has already been given. You know, so in a relationship, sometimes we're in relationships and we're looking to see what the other person can give us, and that's not the only way that it should be. And we should not be looking for a relationship, you know, to always get from it. It's a give-and-take situation. Um, a perfect relationship is based on knowledge. That's what I also say. What makes a relationship so difficult is that we have to know each other to get to know each other, you know. Um, romance doesn't basically say we have a relationship, but the ability to know each other in the spiritual realm. Amen. The Amen. Next question, the next Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, I was when you were saying, I was thinking about the perfect relationship. There is one relationship that's special, and that's our relationship to God, how we relate to him. 
The Lord has established covenants down through the generations in order to restore us and connect us in a relationship with him. And God is, in every one of the covenants, it's a Susan Tree covenant, meaning that it's God's way, but he gives us a choice. So we all have to make individual choices in how we respond uh, back to someone else. And the way we respond back to someone else can either hurt them or uh, bless them, make them feel happy or make them feel sad. Jesus said his children shall be called peacemakers. So we are to try to avail ourselves to the Lord that he may show up in us to other people. That's what's on my heart. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Brother. Okay, thank you, Bishop. The next caller wants to know, how will I know if I'm in a bad relationship? She's saying she's been in a multiple abusive relationships. She said, how can I know if I'm in another bad relationship? So she's saying since it's a history, how will she know the difference between a good and bad relationship? The, the way she knows it, it's very simple. The way a person knows they're in a good or bad relationship, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Is that relationship meeting the expectations that you have set for yourself? That's the first thing. The second thing is if you're loving someone and they're being maybe physically or verbally abusive to you, well, you know you're in a relationship. And you need to get out of that relationship ASAP. Now, if, uh, if, if you're married, then that, that person, you need, that person need to get some help or there's some changes need to be done. But you don't stay in that environment because you're playing with your life. You're playing with your health. So you don't stay in that environment. You get out of that environment. You change that environment until the environment is suitable for you. Now, if you're in a relationship where you're always the giver and never getting anything back, then you need to make some changes in that relationship. Because if you're giving and not getting back, that means this person is just a taker and they're not willing to give you what you require for a relationship. It takes two to make a relationship, two or more. Amen. I totally agree. And I would like to say to that is if the person is not taken in submission how they want to be treated, because in God, we're kings and queens. So if someone's not treating you like the queen that you are, if they're verbally or if they're physically abusive to you, that's a bad relationship. Because a person that loves you, they're not going to abuse you. They're going to treat you just like they would treat themselves. See, we can fall sectionally in love with somebody by just looking at a magazine or in a novel. But marriage, on the other hand, it requires wisdom and knowledge from God. So remember that you are a queen, that you are designer's original, and as a queen, he's going to treat you the best that you can be. And know on tonight that God has a designated person for you. Just continue to seek God. Amen. The next question um, is, so, Bishop, I gave you a list of questions. Just pick a question that you want to answer. Okay, I can pick a question. Okay. Am I spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and financially ready for it? Now, when we're dating someone, that's the question that needs to be answered. Spiritually, one needs to have God first and centered in their life. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can't look to another person to give you what you're looking for because nobody can give you what Christ can give you. 
So that relationship needs to be with you and Christ first. See, you you are you need to already be whole. You may not be you you, you know you you need to be whole before you're complete. Now that 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 husband should not just complete you, but he should y'all should complete each other in being one. But you need to be whole first. And holy spiritual. You need to have that spirituality, that personal relationship with Christ. Now, emotionally, some people are not emotionally stable for a relationship. They jump out of one relationship, don't get over that relationship, and go jump off into another relationship. And they really are carrying baggage from two and three relationships before into another relationship. And that partner does not need to, he, he or she is saying something, getting fussed out or getting scolded or getting rebuked about something that somebody else done years ago because they haven't got over their emotional damage. And emotional stability needs to be in Christ. Now, we know that men are not quite as emotional as women in most cases, but yet we're still emotional. And, and our emotions need to be lined up with God. And the same thing on, in, in a female, a younger woman's emotion is usually not as stable as the older woman's emotional, scientifically speaking. But nevertheless, our emotions need to be in check. We don't need to have our feelings on our shoulders. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. See, it's so many times people want to take things upon themselves. They want to try to fix it. They want to try to make it what they want to be or change somebody else. You can't change anybody. Only God can change people. Only the Holy Spirit works to change. You can facilitate change by opening yourself up to be a vessel for change. That means you're going to let the Spirit of the Lord lead you to work with that person. But you can't change anybody. You say, well, some women say, well, if I get him, he's doing this now, but he'll change. He loves me. He'll change. I'll change him. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. All you're doing is getting ready for a mess. You're getting ready for problems. Because then that's when that mentally thing come in. Some people are not mentally ready for a relationship because they have the wrong expectations going into a relationship. There again, if you're going into a relationship thinking somebody's going to fix all your needs and this relationship is going to fix all your, everything wrong with your life and your life is going to be perfect or what you want it to be because you're going in this relationship, that's not happening. Relationships take work. You've got to work it to build a relationship. If you don't put anything in, you're not going to get anything out. And putting in requires putting in emotionally, requires putting in mentally. It requires a commitment, meaning that you're committed to something, that you're going to work with it, that you're not going to just give up on it because it don't go your way. But you're going to work with it before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, take control here. Maybe it's me that needs to be fixed. Sometimes we are so, uh, we're so wrong that we can't even see ourselves. We're just as wrong as we think we are right. But when we open ourselves up to the Lord, then the Lord can show us where we are wrong at, where, where we can lay down some things that we need to change. And then we can say, Lord, help me to change. Help me to meet that person's, my partner's needs, because I'm wrong here. That's one of the questions that came to mind. I want to comment on that. I totally agree with you. I love this next question, this next perspective. Um, the question, I guess, is a question and a statement. The person says, I don't have a problem being submissive, but I have a problem being controlled. And I'm going to answer that. Ephesians 5 and 21, Paul said, be subject to one another because relationships require submission. 
In Ephesians 5 and 22, it says wives should be submissive to their husbands. In Ephesians 5 and 22 and 23, it says we should be submissive to Christ and the church. In Ephesians 6 and 1, it says children should be submissive to their parents. Amen. And in a positive relationship, we all have to be submissive to someone else. Okay? So we have to be submissive to someone else, but control is a whole different mindset. Control is a spirit of witchcraft. When you start to try to control the way someone thinks, you try to make them think like you're thinking, that's the spirit of control. That's the spirit of witchcraft. So there's a difference between submission. You can be submissive to someone, but they're not controlling you. So if I'm riding a car with you, I'm in submission to you because I'm in the car with you. If you're taking a class from me, I'm in submission because I have control because I'm teaching the class. So I want to say on tonight that if you're looking to get married, it goes both ways. You could, um, you know, you have to be submissive to one another. Amen. What's your thoughts, Bishop? Uh, I, I I agree with you about that submission, but a lot of men, it's on a lot of men right now, because the men think that they try to control their 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 woman or their wife, but God does not control like that. And the, the, to cover somebody is to provide a spiritual covenant for them, meaning to fight for them in the spiritual realm, to provide leadership through example in your life for that individual to follow so that they will have trust in you so that they'll be willing to submit to you. If you love somebody well enough and they know you love them and that you don't want to hurt them, they will submit to you. But some <laughs> people have a spirit of Jezebel. Some people have a Python spirit. Some people have a spirit that they want to control everything or they want to manipulate, to bring about change or make a person be what they want them to be. No, that can't happen. Only the Holy Spirit can change somebody. But, so, but a lot of men have this thing wrong. Now, when a woman submits, it doesn't mean you're being controlled because you, cause the man, the Bible says in that same uh, verses that you just read there in that um, fifth chapter of Ephesians that we as men are to submit. We're to submit to each other. Where submission stops is where God starts, meaning that Christ is the head of man, man is the head of woman. When God says something, because anything with two heads is deformed, and when God says this is the path, then the man has the lead, then, then the mate should follow that leadership. And if the man is wrong, all the mate has to do is pray. See, this is what people miss about marriage. Jesus talked about the mystery of marriage. One will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand. And the mystery of marriage and relationship is when one gets married, you are yet one, but you're still yet two. That's the mystery. When you touch and agree on any one thing together as a husband and wife team, God is going to do it for you. But on the same token, the enemy knows that if you all are bickering and fussing and fighting with each other, your prayers going to be hindered, and God is not going to answer your prayers. Or your prayers be hindered me. Don't mean he won't answer them, but you're not going to get the results like you want them. You're not going to be able to get off in the spirit realm like you need to be because you're stressed out, because you've got issues, because you're disrespecting one another. But when you come together in that spirit of unity, and, 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 and you, that creates a, a powerful force. Praise God. We have to talk about a three-string card is harder to break than a two-string. But when you come together 
is 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 you, your mate, and Christ. That's a three-string card, and it cannot be broken. And you all can go through life together, conquering the enemy. Praise God, uh, opening doors that no man can close, closing doors that no one can open because of the power and the authority he's given you through the unity of marriage. And that's why Christ looks at uh, us as the bride in our relationship with him. When we take communion, when we take the cup, we drink in his blood and we eat his body, we're communing with him, being one with him. He said, now, except you do this, you don't have no life in you. So if you want life in your relationship, you've got to come together in Christ. Amen. I totally agree with you, Bishop, on that. I totally agree. You know, I was just thinking today, I was thinking, and one of the questions was, how can a bad relationship become a good relationship? And God gave me point number one. A good relationship comes from the intents of your heart. Isaiah said, that the people honor me with their lip service, but their hearts are far from me. You know, if you're in a bad relationship, you need to get out or it requires a change of heart. To be in a good relationship, our heart has to change. It's not always about us. Sometimes you have to compromise. So that was point number one. Point number two, good relationships depend on repentance and forgiveness. Amen. We have to learn how to forgive each other. We can't be prideful and don't want to forget, forgive. We have to be able to say, I'm sorry. We have to be able to say, it's not about me, but I need you to restore the relationship. So repentance and forgiveness is very vital. Point number three, good relationships depend on love. Amen? Depends on love, yeah. John 3 16. Love does not necessarily give someone what they want, but it gives them what's best for them. And sometimes when you're in a relationship, you may not understand, or a marriage, you may not understand because we can't lean to our own understanding. And sometimes if your marriage or spouse may make a decision for you that you may not understand, but it may be for your good, but can you handle that decision? Point number four, good relationships require regular ongoing conversations because when you stop talking, that's when the problems start, you know. I look at even the 12 disciples. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, but he betrayed Jesus and because there was a lack of communication. So God said communication is vital. Forgiveness and repentance, um, love, conversation, and the contents of your heart should be pure. What's your thoughts, Bishop? I just totally agree with you. I couldn't say it better. Uh, you know, I can't really add anything to that. That's just straight into the point. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, someone wants to know, how would I know if I am unequally yoked with someone? What does it truly mean to be unequally yoked? I have had heard a lot of different things about unequally yoked. Does it mean if I'm Baptist under AME, we're unequally yoked? Um, there, she's saying, if the person is a church scorer, how do I really know if the person saved? But they want you to touch on unequally yoked, being unequally yoked. Okay. Unequally yoked. That term yoke comes from two horses being yoked together. And when you're yoked together with somebody, because when you when you be there, what you bring into your life, for, let me let me share, let me start at this point. When you're intimate with someone, which requires consummation of marriage, 
you become one with that person. That's what makes the oneness. And you take on all the spirits that's dealing with that person that comes into your life, and you're becoming one in the spirit realm. You're taking on something from that's, uh, that's somebody that's, that's got uh, spirits that are unsaved, and then you're not going to be equal yoke because them demons are going to work against your life, and you're going to have real problems. So that's why you are to, you are to make sure that if you're, going, if you're saved and you're going to get with somebody that they are really saved, and a lot of people don't know what it is to be saved. A lot of people think joining church is being saved or going to church is being saved or they have a Christian attitude. I, I remember in my past experience, a young woman and, and a young man was having a problem in Dallas. I was pastoring a church there. And they had really been a problem. He was not a good fit for this woman at all. But he came down the aisle crying and came up to the altar and gave his life to the Lord. Uh, that's what it appeared to be. But I knew that it wasn't. But the young lady thought, oh, okay, well, now this is mine. But guess what? It really ended up as being almost, it almost cost her her life. And before they finally broke up and got apart from each other. So what I'm saying is that a person has to really be saved. And, and the way you tell that is that if, if Jesus is their Lord, when someone is your Lord, you're going to do what they say. Not just say what they say. You're going to do what they say. Their actions are going to be demonstrated as being one that's really saved and committed to Christ. They may, now, that don't mean they're perfect, but what it does mean is that they follow me after. They're trying. So if you get with somebody like that, that means that it doesn't mean that you're totally yoked, but that's the first part of being yoked together. The second part is it's about destiny and purpose. Just because somebody's saved don't mean that person is for you just because they're saved. But what you need to look at is, what is your destiny and your purpose? Remember I said you need to know yourself and your personal relationship with God. What is your destiny? What is your purpose? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? You get with somebody, even though they're saved, but they're not a part of your destiny and your purpose, they're going to hinder you every step of the way. You're going to have to fight through every little thing because they're not flowing with you. They're not going to be able to get you. They're going to see you in another light and see you as someone else that who you're really not. So they're not going to be able to get with you because of what you're doing and how you do things. So when you're being equally yoked, you need to be on the same page, same frame of mind, with an understanding that this is where we're going. We're going to accomplish this. That's why I like to ask people, how do you see yourself five years from now? Where do you see yourself at? And then, and then let them tell me, when they tell me where they see themselves at in marriage counseling, I do it with couples. I want to make sure that they are on the same page, that they're striving for the same thing. If you're about ministry and you're going to do ministry and your husband's going to be upset because you're going doing ministry and not with him and not going out doing the things he's doing or vice versa, then you're not going to be equally yoked. So you need to discern because somebody you like somebody or they look good to you doesn't mean that you are meant for that person. What means that where you're meant for that person is how you guys connect, one spiritually, one physically, one uh, 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 professionally, one ministry-wise. All those factors need to come in place when you're choosing someone. I hope that answered your question. Amen, it did. Uh, I had a little synopsis of a counseling situation. And the, per the person said, I truly love her, but my pastor said she's not the one. So I have a little synopsis that I wrote here. There's a young man that took a girl to his pastor for introduction and for prayers. The pastor told him, oh, no, she's not the one. 
If you marry her, you're going to have problems. The young man loved her so much, he said, this can't be true. So we took the young lady to another man of God, and the second man of God told him the exact same thing. If you marry her, you're going to have problems. The best thing I recommend is that you will stay away from her. But the young man thought that they were all against her. The leaders that he had went to told him that if he married her, there would be a lot of spirits. So finally they got married and the nightmares begun. The summary of this story was this person was horribly, um, had spirits, a spirit of Jezebel, a spirit of Tormel, uh, um, torment, and like to have her away. There was problems that crippled their finances and crippled their personal business. Now he saw clearly, Betty, now he saw clearly what he did not see before. You know, sometimes, no, our pastors are not our matchmakers, but they are our spiritual gods. Amen. So if our pastors before us, sometimes, you know, they can say, no, they're not the one, or they can tell us to wait. So whatever your pastor is telling you, there's a reason that he's telling you that maybe he sees danger ahead that you cannot pinpoint. So if your leader is telling you to wait, it doesn't say that you're not to marry the person, but it's to wait on that season, and that might be right. I say that um, um, you don't marry someone because he or she's a Christian. You marry someone who believes the same truth that you do. You know, we could be in the same religion, but we got different beliefs. Amen? You could both be Christian. You could both be Pentecostal, and you could still be unequally yoked. People don't look at it that way. My beliefs and your beliefs could be different that could affect the relationship, and that could cause us to be unequally yoked. Sometimes people read the Bible and People interpret the Bible two different ways, and that could be unequally yoked. We should have the same beliefs. We should have the same manner of thinking. We should have the same talk. You know, we should have the same type of communion. Amen. Your thoughts, Bishop, anything else you want to add? Yes, I do. I, in, in the story that you tell it, I like the fact that, they, that the young man went to two pastors. It's just like you're getting a diagnosis from one doctor, and you want to make sure it's true and see what another doctor has to say. That's a good idea, very good idea. If you disagree, go to somebody else that you have spiritual respect in. But here's the catcher is that, that when both people tell you that, then it's time for you to really stand up and take a look at the situation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because now sometimes some pastors feel like that if the man is not a member of their church, that they may lose that member of their church. And some pastors are building their own kingdom. They're not building the kingdom of God or the church of Christ, but they're building their own kingdom under the name of God using Christ. They're pimping the gospel in order to build their own kingdom. But it, but if it's a true pastor and a true man or woman of God, and he sees that, that you are the person for them, they'll tell you. But some of them will not. So it's always good to get that second opinion. But when you, after you get that second opinion and, and the both of them says no. Now, let me give you an example. I have uh, uh, two of my dear friends I was in college with. Before they got ready to get married, they went to counseling. They went to spiritual counseling. They went to natural counseling. They went before a, a, a professional counselor that, was, that had a natural view and wanted to have a spiritual counselor. And both of them told them the same thing, that they both were too strong-minded, too strong-willed, and they both were leaders in such a manner that they would clash. And they said for their relationship, the work, one is going to have to submit to the other one. And so the, the, the young lady said, I will submit. I will follow him. 
I would be with him. Well, guess what? It worked for years. But after a while, that woman became herself as she grew up and grew more into life. Now they are, they are divorced. They have children, but they, it lasted for years because she was able to do that for a certain period of time. But the thing about it is we've got to look at uh, where we're trying to go and can this person be a team player and a team member with us and what is the Lord saying and be willing to submit to God. It's one thing to say we belong to the Lord, but then when the Lord say no, then everybody don't, nobody, people, a lot of people don't want to submit. They, they don't want to hear God. Or when they got to, what they're doing is wrong, they don't want to change. They want it their way. My, my, my parents used to have a saying, if you make your bed hard, no matter what, you're going to have to lay in it. And sometimes we get into situations that just is, just is totally wrong. As I was passing again in Dallas, I'm reminded of a, of a, of a relationship with, with one of the ministers that was on my staff. Uh, her husband came home from prison, and he gave her a fit. And she went down to the courthouse to get a divorce, and the judge said, no, I won't give you a divorce. I'm going to give you an annulment. In other words, you've never been married to this person. But if she had took the advice, when she, before she married him, when people tried to talk to her and tell her she would have never found herself in that situation. So sometimes it's good. Sometimes people that love us can see things around us that we can't see for ourselves. So it's good to, to listen to them. They're not always right. And 90% of the time, they, they, or 50% of the time, they're just as wrong as they are right. But it's good to listen and evaluate and take it before the Lord. Thank you, Dr. Thank Brock. You. Thank you, Bishop. Um, this next question, I love this one. The person says, I am dating someone and the relationship seems to be just simply perfect. However, problems that come from the relationship are from my fiance's ex-boyfriend who's always intervening. He still calls her, he still talks to her, and they still have communication. How would you handle that and if that's a red flag and what would you do? Okay. Is that question for me? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, that's something that needs to be established at the very beginning. Usually if you're going to keep in touch with somebody or you're going to deal with somebody, that person is really not out of your system yet. So they're still yet dealing with them, especially if the person that they're talking to don't want them to deal with them. Then they need to uh, cut it off if they're going to keep their relationship. But now it, it, it all depends on what the status of it is. For example, um, a man could be married to a woman and they can get a divorce and have children together and be great friends and have a friendship with no interest in each other and all concerned about the welfare of the children. Then in that situation, then that's something that you look at at the beginning of the relationship. And if you can take that, you know, start out like you can finish. If you can handle that, then start out with that. But if you can't handle that person's ex, if they got children together and they got to communicate with them, then get out of it right there and then deal with it. But other than that, you need to put your significant other first. See, where, where, where your heart is is where you're going gonna to show your love at. So that's, that's the key to that answer. Amen. I totally agree. Amen. Someone says, is it all right to marry a woman or man or vice versa that's older? 
So I don't recall any place in the word that says that someone, that age should be a factor. However, what I would say, there's some key points that maybe need to look into, like point number one, are you sure you will not be intimidated by the person that's older? Number two, have you considered the fact that she may look upon you as a junior brother or sister? That's something to be looked upon. And the next point, have you searched your heart to be sure that you will not start, you know, taking control of the other person? And the last point, will that person be submissive to you and will you work together in love and unity? So what's your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts is that it goes back to the beginning of the relationship. It doesn't matter about the age. Amen. Uh, uh, but my thoughts is that it's the beginning of the relationship. You All those things come at the beginning of a relationship. I know some. Uh, I know a younger man right now that's married to a much older woman, and they're just as happy as they can be because they, they were going the same place. They had purpose and destiny. They understood the difference in their age. They've got themselves prepared. Uh, if, she, she, if she should go first, He's, he's going to be very well taken care of by insurance. So they know what they're doing, and they agreed to put their life together and walk together. So age really doesn't matter. Uh, there should be no one controlling nobody. It's just like any other relationship. They should get on one accord before the Lord. The older person may not have the most wisdom or may not be the one that's most capable to lead the relationship. You see, in every relationship, at the very first of the point, uh, after after everybody's got past that facade, because when people meet, they're trying to show the best side of themselves. But then once they get deep into the relationship and they realize that this is going to be a commitment, then the control issue starts. One wants to control the relationship. Even if the man is the head, the woman seeks to control, or the man seeks to control the relationship. But my thing is Jesus needs to control the relationship. And he needs to walk with one together with the Lord putting him first. It's easy to say that Christ is the center of our relationship, that Christ is the head of our home or head of my life, rather. The man is the head of the home, but Christ needs to be the head of your life. So that means that any control things needs to come in order with the gospel. And, they, and that means you are submitted one to the other. But now when God speaks or the responsibility of that relationship, God is going to hold that man accountable but where he loved that woman as Christ loved the church and where she was submissive unto him. Those are two things that balance out very well. If you love somebody like Christ loved the church, he gave himself for it. Meaning you're going to be patient with that person. You're going to pour into that person. You're going to love that person. You're going to forgive that person if you love them like Christ loved the church. And if a woman is submitted to her man, even when she doesn't want to do something, She's going to voice her opinion, but nevertheless, she's going to do it as unto the Lord. And I know a lot of women don't like what I'm getting ready to say. And y'all just pray for me, ladies, but I got to tell it like it is. Abraham, I mean, Sarah didn't get in the Hall of Fame by defeating a giant. She got in the Hall of Fame because she called Abraham Lord. That doesn't mean Abraham was her God. But what that does mean is that she looked unto Abraham as uh, as in her relationship to God. And as a wife, a woman has to look at into her husband as a relationship to God. Glory to God, because 
Glory to God. Because when a, when a woman is together with her husband, God will bless her so greatly, greatly bless her, because the blessing is going to come through if he's in order. Now, what happens when a man of God is out of order and you're in that relationship? Then that's the time that you, that you have your, your, your prayer and talk to God. God is not uh, dumb. God is not stupid. He's not far off. He cares about you so much that the hands on your head is numbered. He knows what you're going through. So if that man is out of order, talk to God about it. As long as that man is not telling you to sin against God, follow him as best you can and watch God work it out. Watch God fix it. Watch God make a change. I've seen it happen over and over again. I've seen women with some hearts. I've seen women that, that would go to church and get beat up because they went to church. Not that they didn't have the man's food fixed. Not that they didn't look out for their husbands. Not that they weren't taking care of their home. But the thing about it is that joker was just out of order. And I'm going to tell you something. It's better to be in the ocean with a millstone around your neck than fall in the hands of an angry God. Amen. Right there. Amen. 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 Before I ask this next question, I'm going to read a scripture first. Um, Ephesians 5 and 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanliness, let it be not named among the saints. So now, now I'm going to tell you what the question is. Ah, somebody just inboxed me. If you don't have sex before marriage, how will you know, how will I know if the person I want to marry is potent? And how will I know if the relationship will work sexually? That's 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 a tough question. But I'm just gonna have to give it I'm gonna have to tell it like it is. The truth of the matter is that if you don't have the sex before marriage, your marriage will be that much greater blessed. Simply because if that person can't measure up to your expectations or standards, God will work it out. See, sex is something that you can teach each other. You can teach each other what you like, what you don't like, how to do it. If there's any medical issues, they got chemicals and drugs and, and things. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. It helps the situation out. So, you know, so, and, you know I, the question was a lot of men would say, I'm not going to buy a car before I drive it to see how it runs. But God is saying by faith, if the purpose and destiny is there. See, sex doesn't make a relationship. Praise God. That's not what a relationship is all about, just about sexual intercourse. That's just mm-hmm. a part of a relationship. What's the other part? The other part is, will this person pray for me? Can we get in prayer together? Can we pull down strongholds? Can we loosen bind? Can we demand things in the spiritual realm toward our destiny and purpose? Can we walk hand in hand with each other? That's what relationship is all about. Now, so if the sex is out of order, God can fix that. So it's better not to have sex before you get married. Now, if you have had sex already, then you just need to ask God to forgive you and try to abstain from that and honor God with your relationship by putting God first. Amen, Bishop. You done preached it. Amen. <laughs> we have another question again about this age thing. I want to say this, you know, as long as a person is over 18, of course, and they're legal, and legal means that you're over 18, you're you're able to vote, and you're able to get married. My thing is, you know, with age, um, age is always the last thing that I consider, but I also con- would consider somebody's maturity level. And statistics show, 
I went on the United States Bureau of Statistics today, and it said 62% of Christian women are more mature than men. So I think that when it comes to age, that maturity plays a, you know, a major um, role in it. You know, how mature are you? What's your personality like? Are you able to control your emotions or your feelings? And that goes for both sides, you know, in order for a relationship and or marriage, or if you're dating according, someone has to be mature, you know, you're not arguing, you're not fighting, but you're looking at um, values in life, you're looking at how to be disciplined, and you're looking at how to practice being submissive to one another. So what do you think, Bishop? I'm in, I'm in total agreement with that. I'm in total agreement with that. Um, age, age should not matter. Like I said, if you're over 18 and you're putting Christ first in the relationship, and remember, you're not going to step in a relationship and it be perfect. It's, it's going to take work. Remember, you got to build something. And the stronger you build it, the building the foundation is the stronger. When you make sure the foundation is right, and it can tote the weight of the relationship, won't nothing be able to separate you. One, because Christ is sinning, he's more for you than the whole world is against you. Two, because not only you love Christ, but you love each other, and you're walking through this journey together. So therefore, you'll be able to stand no matter what the age limit is. Amen. Amen. I totally agree. I totally agree. However, I do believe that, you know, when... You know, sometimes uh, the people may approach you um, about, you know, their interest in you or whatever. And I believe that you need to seek God because there's certain things that, you know, you're willing to do to tolerate and things you're not willing to tolerate. And there's things that, you know, you're not going to tolerate, you know, some things, even if, you know, it may be petty, but you know what you'll tolerate and what you won't tolerate. So there's no sense of dating or courting someone if there's things that, you're simply not going to tolerate what you, like you said earlier. So um, as, as we were saying about the age, I don't think age, you know, really should be a problem. The next question is what about distant relationships? Is it advisable? Uh, I, I, I think it is advisable because sometimes, you know, with technology and, and the communication devices and the way things are in the world in which we live today, if you're in if you're in Miami and your mate is in Alaska, and that person has your purpose and destiny at heart, then God is going to make some way for you all to get together. So you have to find out what works for you. Some people can't do long distance relationships because that person they need to go out on dates with the person. They need to see them and talk with them every day. They got this uh, long list of things made out that they got to do. You know, so if if it's like you said before, if it's a deal breaker, some things are deal breakers. And, and long-distance relationship for some people is a deal-breaker. And for other ones, it's not a deal-breaker. And I don't think it should be a deal-breaker uh, because God, if God is in it, you know, because when you put in the Lord first, if this is who God says your husband is, I've seen a woman marry somebody in prison because God said that was her husband. And mm-hmm. guess what? It worked out because God made that thing work out. So that relationship, you know, is like I said, again, a relationship is more than, uh, just it, it's it's interacting, a knitting of hearts, a, a a godly soul tie, not an ungodly soul tie. You can get a godly soul tie. I don't care miles away. Praise God. But when you but at the at the right and appropriate season and appropriate time, you'll come together. 
Amen. I think that I'm just speaking for me, you know, I will not be doing no internet dating. It's just not for me. I don't do good long distance relationships that way. I mean, to each his own. I'm not going to meet somebody on the internet and fly to meet you. That's just not simply me. I'm just not going to do that because I know in my, in the spiritual realm, you know, you really don't know what someone is doing, you know, and sometimes you need to meet someone for God to expose to you who the person really is. It's a difference between seeing somebody on Skype. It's a difference between talking to somebody on the computer. But when we are a child of a God, when you're connecting with someone, your soul, your your spirit and their spirit should make manifest. But if you're never meeting the person in person, you don't really know um, what's going on. I mean, I wouldn't highly, I would not meet nobody on the internet and just fly to meet them and then, you know, I know people said he get married. It's got to truly sure not be God. But the Bible says God does everything in decency and order. There's no way you're going to meet somebody on the Internet and just go marry them. There, that's not decency. I think that, you know, people meet people, and, it. I mean, you need to take time to court. You need to date. So many marriages are failing because people are just up and getting married. They're not even giving it an opportunity. Okay, so what if God says that person is your mate? You still need to date. You still need to court. It's a problem when you're dating and you don't know what the person's favorite color is. You don't know what the person's likes is. You don't know what the person's dislikes is. When you marry someone, you should know some things. You should know some things about the person and just not, you know, marry the person. So I had, I was thinking, you know, I sat down and I said, if I was looking for a prospective mate, these are some of the questions that I will ask my prospective mate. And they are, if someone disagrees with you, how do you face it? When things don't go your way, how do you handle disappointment? How do you express emotion? How do you express anger? What was the best thing that ever happened to you in your life? What was the worst thing that happened to you in your life? How do you plan to change your imperfections, the things that you don't like about yourself? What brings you joy and satisfaction? What are your social values? What's your family like? What are your parents like? How you take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally? What is your what is your take on children? How, how, what is your take on raising children? Other people's children or what are your family dynamics? What do you believe in family dynamics? How do you face the loss of grief? Amen. Those are just some of the questions that I will ask someone. What do you learn about self-love? How do you love yourself? Was love shown in your family? Have you ever been rejected? So those are some of the questions that if I was interested in someone, those are definitely the questions that um, I would definitely be asking um, someone. Um, another question that we have tonight is, um, if I am asking a woman hand in marriage, even if I'm in my 50s or 60s, should I go to her parents and ask for her hand in marriage? That's an optional. That's an optional question. There. That's uh, it. All depends on the value system of that person. Uh, you know, and and uh, sometimes parents and 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 the parents and that person may not even have a great relationship. So that's a uh, that's a value situation. Um, 
That's that's to me that's just not something one can just answer and say you should or you should not because situations vary. If any time situation ethics comes into play, I believe this is one that the situation ethics comes into play. Uh, you, you know, it, when you marry that person, you are marrying into the family, but you're not marrying the family, you're marrying that person. So, you know, it all depends on how they feel about it. Now, if I was interested in a woman and wanted to marry her, and and I asked her about that, and that would make my decision. If she said, yes, I think you should talk to my father, then I'll talk to her father. But if she doesn't say that, and I don't feel like that's necessary unless the Lord leads me to do that, then I might not do it. So that's a situation ethics question there, in my in my opinion. Okay. And, and, now, culturally, they, and, and it's also a cultural thing, too. In some cultures, it would just be that's totally, right. that. yes. yeah, it would just be totally out of order not to go talk to the father and mm-hmm. ask for the hand in marriage. It depends mm-hmm. on the culture that you're in or the subculture that you are working from to, to make is also a factor in that decision. Okay. Amen. So this is a great question, gentlemen. A lady wants to know, she says, if I am approached by a leader, someone in the fivefold ministry, that's a pastor, apostle, or bishop, and they are interested in me, should that person date multiple individuals outside of me when they're dating me? And if so, how should I handle that? Oh, so okay, I can answer that. Okay. Uh, woman of God, whoever you are, you should set that standard yourself. See, the Bible tells a man to, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So men have to look. Now, some men don't just look at one person at a time. Some people say, I'm dating. So that means they're telling you up front that you're not the only one that they're dating because they're dating and they're trying to establish friendship and relationship because they're looking. Then there are some people who only focus on one person at a time, and it would confuse them to date other people and try to evaluate whether this person is my mate or not. In other words, I don't feel like one should be dating if they're not looking for a wife and looking for a mate. It's sad to say, but in the church, we got some church players and uh, men who haven't grown up and have not learned how to possess their vessel, and that's one of the issues that they are fighting spiritually. So you've got to be aware of that, and you need to evaluate uh, this person, in the, this leader in the church to see what kind of person this is and if you are willing to go for that. Now, if I was a female, I would not go for that. I would tell him, uh, if, if you're going to talk to me, it's going to be you and me until uh, we make a decision about each other. And if you can't do that, then, you know, I'm not the one for you. But now that's just my opinion. That's on a case-by-case basis. A woman has a right to her opinion. She may feel like that she's the one and don't care what goes on, but once the relationship gets to a point, then it says, okay, now you don't see no else. We're committed to each other. That's how a lot of people do it. So it all depends on what works for you. But I, But in any event, again, Christ should be first. Amen. Oh, I got somebody just red flagged me. He's a male. He says, I feel like this person is a, I'm not going to say they're a leader. He says that if I 
have told the woman that I am dating her and others to get a feel of everyone, it should not be a problem. However, I know that sometimes women can be emotionally attached. So what do you do if a woman becomes emotionally attached? He says, I've dated some at least three different women at one time. Um, just to fill it out, I was interested in all three. And he said, he courted, I've courted all three at the same time, meaning I've taken them out to the movies or to dinner. But all three knew up front that I was dating other women. So what would be your perspective on that? That's a great question. It is that woman's choice. If a man tells you that he's dating somebody else and you become emotionally attached to him and does not guard your emotions and your feelings, do you, do you get a situation on where a fix on where this where your relationship is going, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Because he's already told you. He's already let you know. And you need to hear a commitment from him before you allow yourself to become committed, even though you may like this person. You may think they're the best thing that you've met on the earth realm. And they stepped out of heaven just yesterday. But still, you gotta back up and hold your emotions and hold your feelings until that person commits to you because you're setting yourself up to get hurt. And I believe everybody has been hurt, and it's no good feeling. And some of us have been hurt to the point that now it don't even really bother no more. You just move on and keep, and keep it moving, you know. But the thing about it is it's that honesty and that integrity. The man said, I'm telling them that I'm dating different ones, and some men do that, and that's their choice. It's your choice as a woman you, are, you know, you could, like I said, I tell them, look, when you get through with them two and you decide to take a rest or you want to try me out or you want to get to know me, then come back then. If God will, I'll still be available. If not, then so be it. But that's a woman's choice. Uh, I kind of don't agree with that. You know, I look at it in a whole other perspective because sometimes the women is a weaker vessel. And I do truly believe that if it's a man of God and you're dating a whole bunch of women, and if you're taking me out three times and you're taking somebody else out three times and you're talking to women all over the place and all the women think the same thing, and, you know, women are a little bit different. We get a little bit emotionally attached. So I don't agree to that. I feel like if a man um, is going to court, he should date one woman at a time, not be all over the place. And you're saying to me, you're courting me, and if, you know, if, uh, if it's not going to work out, because you pretty much can court somebody a couple of times and figure out from the conversation if they're going to work or not, just not having me on the back burner. And if it doesn't work out with Sue Blue, you're calling me up again. People can get emotionally attached and hurt that way. So I feel like, you know, um, this is my personal opinion. It's not biblical. I feel like people's emotions get involved when that is the perspective. And I think that men of God should be very receptive when they're dating multiple women, when they're talking to multiple women, because we are women and we are emotional beings. That's just my perspective of it. Amen. Amen. I feel like I feel like a man should be very careful to warn off or uh, be aware of emotional attachments 
with somebody or, or allowing it to happen, I feel like he's not totally without responsibility. But I feel the biggest responsibility relies with that woman, especially if he's already told her. He's given her a warning. He done put up the red flag. He done said, hey, I'm dangerous over here. Don't get attached to me because you may not be the one for me. You know, then it's his responsibility. He said, well, she looks like she's getting attached. I, I need to let you know now. Wait a minute now. Remember, we're just friends. We're not going but so far because I'm seeing other people or I'm in another relationship or whatever. Amen. And this is our last question for the evening. This has been good. I got a lot of red flags. A lot of listeners said they love it. So I am going to open up the phone lines right now to any of our callers that may have a question and or statement. So the lines are open. Any of my callers, you have any comments or questions at this time? Okay. We're going to go ahead and move on. And the last question is, the last question that someone wants to know is, how do I, if I'm in a relationship and I am connecting with the person, the relationship seems to be going well, but I cannot get along with the individual's children, do I stop dating the person, A? Do I start talking to the person, B? Or C, do I express how I feel to the person? which I have multiple times. And it's like when I'm around the person, the individual kids do anything they want, and they're very disrespectful. So the person says help in Los Angeles. Um, I feel like that if you're dating somebody and you can't get along with the kids, I feel like the ages have a lot to do with it. And sometimes children are attached to their parents, and you may not be the parents. So you are dating this person, the children of parents will be upset with anybody that's going to take the other parent or, or attempt to take the other parent's place. So that takes time for them to grow to love you and to get to know you. I don't feel like you should back up there. I feel like you should continue the relationship. If the children are grown and adult children or middle or teenage children, then I feel like that the person that you are talking to, once you talk to them, they need to handle that situation. Uh, to make it where you are comfortable and respected. And if they don't handle that situation, then you need to back up from them. Because if they love you, they're going to handle that situation. You know, I'm not going to lose somebody because my kids ain't got to wake up with that person or spend the rest of their life with that person. That's me. And that's my happiness. And I'm not going to let my children stop my happiness. So that's what, So if you talk to them and they don't do anything about it, then you need to back up from them until they get it right. And then they and I guarantee you, if they love you and they care about you, they'll get it right. But if they don't love you and don't care about you, you save yourself a bunch of headaches. I know that's horrible, but that's the truth. Amen. Again, I want to say thank you to Bishop Anthony How on tonight. Hands up. Thank you, man of God, for joining me. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. To Destiny awaits you. Stay tuned for the release of another book in January, and it is on single relationships. And in closing on tonight, I just want to pose a couple of questions to you on tonight. Are you more willing to give than to receive? Boom, there you are. Does the final answer always have to be right and be about you? Boom, there you are. Can someone else count on you no matter what happens? Boom. 
Men, are you ready to be priest, protector, provider, and leader of your own home and take care of your wife, as the Bible says? Women, are you ready to submit, become the help meet, the support of the man, and hold it down? Boom, boom, boom. Are you ready to work as a team and walk on the same path spiritually? Are you ready to mutually submit to one another in the way that the word says? Boom. Are you ready to give up some of your past friends, past relationships to make your marriage work? Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Have you prayed to God to make sure this is the person for you? I love you and Radio Land on tonight. Thank you for tuning in to Destiny Awaits You. May God bless you, and I will see you next Tuesday. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to Destiny Awaits You. Join us here again next week for Destiny Awaits You with Dr. Alicia Broughton. Keep this ministry in prayer. Seek the Lord, and he will lead and guide you. May God bless you and help and smile upon you. I'm Bishop Dr. Gary Howell for Dr. Alicia Broughton. Good night. Oh.